You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast with Pastor Rick Francis. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. So we looked at the woman at the well last week as we're following Jesus. And this week we're looking at Nicodemus. And what a contrast. We got a female, we got a male. We've got a woman who doesn't have a good testimony in her community. And then we have a man who has a pristine reputation. One who is esteemed in his community. And the woman at the well, she wasn't looking for Jesus. Jesus was looking for her. Nicodemus had devoted his entire life to the scriptures. He was the teacher and the teacher of teachers. He's coming and he's poured his life into the scriptures to find the treasures from the word of God, to be able to receive them for himself and also to share those with others. And it's his own pursuit in the scripture that causes him to see Jesus and see what Jesus is doing in the area that creates a hunger inside of him that he wants to find out more of who Jesus is. How many of you have watched The Chosen? Okay, this section, you need to repent. The Chosen is uh, just an incredible Incredible, uh, season two's out now, but season one, the depiction of Nicodemus in season one, I just thought was amazing. Uh, My heart has just gone out to Nicodemus in in this, because you can see uh, as they show Jesus doing some of the miracles, Nicodemus is taking notice and wondering, what does this mean that this man is not only teaching with such wisdom and such authority and such spiritual insight, but he's also healing the demonized, the broken, (laughs) the one that comes through the ceiling who can't walk. And as as he beholds those things, something is happening in Nicodemus's heart. So here we have these two contrasts in transformation. With the woman at the well, it's like Jesus speaks to her, has a word of knowledge, says that you've had five husbands, the one you're with now is not your husband, and all of a sudden she realizes that he's a prophet. But he goes on to reveal himself to her as the Messiah. And she believes, and as a result, the whole village believes. Here Nicodemus, he's got a lot at risk. He's coming to Jesus at night. And he's coming because he's hungry. He's read enough of the scripture and he's seen with his eyes what Jesus was doing. He has heard with his ears the teaching of Jesus and he wants to meet with Jesus. It's not every day that you get a evening appointment with Jesus. But here's Nicodemus who comes. He has definitely a slower pace than the woman at the well. The woman at the well, boom, 
she realizes Jesus is the Messiah and there. Nicodemus, he's hungry, he's a, he's, he's a student, he's a teacher, he's pursuing, he's checking everything out, he's drawn to it, but yet in his community, he has so much that could be lost if anyone saw him listening to Jesus. When we think of Nicodemus, many of us think of the man whom Jesus spoke, those historic piercing words of John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So Jesus sits down and has a conversation. And before he gets to that revelation of the love of God, they talk about the nature of miracles. They talk about the unseen kingdom. They talk about rebirth, being born from above, being born again, and the mysterious ways in which the spirit moves. See, some people think because Nicodemus came to Jesus at night that he was a coward. I think it took a lot of courage for Nicodemus to come. He came to Jesus and I believe it's his courage that continued to lead him the rest of his life that brought the transformation. So beginning at verse one of chapter three. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old, Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. As I was looking at that passage, trying to figure out what's Jesus saying when he says you can't enter the kingdom unless you are born of water and of spirit. In the context with Nicodemus, I think it's just generally been assumed that being born of water is just natural, physical, biological human birth. But others have have looked at that and said, no, Jesus might be saying something a little more here about being born of water. And they go back to Ezekiel chapter 36, verses 25 and 27. This won't be on the screen, but listen. The importance of the water and the spirit. Ezekiel prophesies, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. 
I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Here, some scholars saying that the water is the cleansing, the cleansing of our impurities, the cleansing of our, our idolatry, and that the spirit is the, the Holy Spirit that is given to us. And now we have a new spirit and the spirit is residing within us. <clears throat> Nicodemus did not understand what spiritual birth was. He understood natural birth, but he did not understand spiritual birth. And so Jesus is talking to him. And in the use of the metaphor of birthing, trying to explain to him how things are on earth in the natural realm so he can understand how things are in the spirit realm. In the spirit realm, the rebirth comes with a cleansing. There's a washing. Can you remember when you gave your heart to Christ, when you asked him to forgive you of your sins and to come in and be Lord of your life? I can still remember that day. For me, it happened at an altar in a church service. And after tons of tears and snot, when I got up, I felt so absolutely clean, squeaky clean, better than that detergent that they had at that time that said, so clean your mother won't know you. And there was, there was a cleansing and a cleaning that comes in the new birth. <laughs> I remember that. Nicodemus is learning about it. He's still processing it. He's still getting the information. He hasn't had that moment where the spirit has pierced into his time and space to where he's transformed. But being a scholar, he's thinking it through. He's trying to understand. He's looking at the scriptures. He's trying to process it. And, and with Nicodemus, we see a model of transformation that just is slow, it's long, it goes over a lifetime, but the heart is still wanting to know more of Jesus still wanting to understand the kingdom and the dynamic of God's spirit. And so Nicodemus is on this lifelong journey. <laughs> it's kind of like, he took a big risk that night that he went and talked with Jesus. It's kind of like, what kind of risks do we take to have a transforming encounter with Jesus? <clears throat> Sometimes we're afraid to in a church service to even come forward and acknowledge any kind of desire or need or longing that the Spirit is doing inside of us. I, I kind of identify with the torment of what I project on Nicodemus as he's hearing these wonderful things from Jesus and as Jesus is explaining to, some, to him some things that he doesn't understand, And yet, what's he going to do? 
And in the movie on The Chosen, my heart just breaks for Nicodemus because at the beginning, he doesn't leave all his teaching, all his fame, all his notoriety, his high position as the teacher. He doesn't leave that to follow Jesus, but he's still trying to process and think. And you see the angst in his soul. You see that his spirit, he wants to follow Jesus. He wants to embrace him as the Messiah, but he, he's stuck. He's got a lot of things to consider. It's interesting, even in The Chosen, his wife seems to be one of those things that he has to consider quite seriously if he's going to follow this rabbi. <laughs> so you get all the dynamics of what's going on there. But I think the courage of Nicodemus is, is amazing. And it's one that I can identify with because it's, it's calculated. I think Nicodemus definitely had to be one of those melancholy temperaments that had to think it all through and understand it and analyze it before he could make a choice and a decision. And because, but because of his honest passion to know God and to be known by God. He's being drawn and the Lord sees his heart. And he invites him and he sees his heart. And there's something inside me that just makes me feel like Jesus knew that with Nicodemus, this was gonna be a process. As we continue in the Gospel of John, <clears throat> Jesus has gone to the Feast of Tabernacles, and this is the second place where we find Nicodemus. And uh, he, he stands up on the last day of the feast, and he says, if you come to me, out of you will flow streams of living water. And the people are just really responding to the message and the anointing that's on Jesus. And now the religious leaders are irate and they're ready to judge and, and take action against Jesus. And so we find Nicodemus, he, he speaks up and he says, you can't do that. Our law doesn't allow that. We allow the person to be heard before we judge. And as a member of the Sanhedrin, the ruling religious community, he had authority and he spoke up and he brought protocol there. If you think back to the night that Nicodemus and Jesus is talking and you're the PhD scholar and you know the Torah forwards and backwards and you know Hebrew because it's your native tongue, <laughs> not because you went to seminary, had to study it, and you know all this stuff and you're sitting there with Jesus and here you're the scholar and yet you're talking to someone that you realize his insight is so far superior to yours. And all of a sudden you realize that I am in the presence of someone who understands the scripture, who knows the scripture way more than I do. The impact that that must have had on his hungry heart, you know, of trying to figure out what's going on, what's going on in the struggle within. 
One of the things about Nicodemus is he was a man that understood his place in his community. He understood his lineage and he's talking to Jesus and Jesus understood lineage. Here he's, he's talking and, he, and he's, he's trying to understand, you know, how I was born, the circumstances of your birth, who your parents are, all of those kind of things oftentimes will determine, you know, what vocation you go into, who you are, what your worth, value, and significant is. And so as Jesus is talking to him about the birth and the natural and the birth and the spiritual, in, in the context of understanding the Jewish understanding of knowing who you're talking to. And here's Jesus born out of wedlock with some details about his life that, you know, there's been some negative things said about him. And here he's sitting in, in the presence of one who knows God intimately. And he realizes that all my study, all my knowledge about God hasn't even scratched the surface of how this Jesus knows the Father. And so now the image of being born again, new birth, is interesting. It takes on, it takes on a characteristic that, that in the natural realm, the pedigree just goes out the window because now the identity is I am a son or I'm a daughter of my father above. And so the wheels are going on in Nicodemus's head. He's starting to process things. He's still trying to understand. He realizes that uh, birthplace and all the, the, the benefits that he's received by the nobility of his birth and his parents and his training and his schooling and all the things that he got to be a part of, he realized now that a conversation about being born of the Spirit takes on a whole new significance. <laughs> it's like spiritual hunger is developing within Nicodemus. It's kind of like what happens when, when we come around someone and all of a sudden they're as prophetic as Bob Combs and Ray and they start speaking words and, and you're wondering, how'd they know that about me? Where'd that come from? And you say, I want to be like Bob. You know, I, 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 I like to see the prophetic flow. Or you're around someone like Tony Costa and you start to see signs and wonders and miracles and, and you're around your different friends. I've got a lot of them. And it, as I'm around them, it's just like, this is so cool. This is neat. That's, that's cool. Think about Nicodemus. He's watched Jesus do so many miracles already in this short little period of time. He's heard him teach incredible things that no man could know and interpret the scriptures like nobody ever has. And there he is. He's hungry and he sees the crazy fishermen that are following Jesus, doing some of the same stuff. They start to see, it's like, as Nicodemus goes on, he's, it's gotta bring a desire, doesn't it? Of man, am I just gonna stand on the sidelines and watch all this incredible God activity take place? You know, 
physical healings, spiritual deliverances, mental restoration, all these kind of things, multiplying loaves and fishes and feeding five thousands, changing water into wine. As, as all of this comes before and as, as he continues to kind of watch Jesus possibly from a distance, you can't help but see the desire. Doesn't, doesn't God do that? Doesn't he take the wisdom of man and through the foolishness of a child show how foolish the wisdom of man is. He'll take something that we esteem at the highest level in the natural realm, and then he'll just take a little ignorant fisherman <laughs> that's been with Jesus, and they can stand at the Supreme Court of that day and talk truth and speak life. So I think there's a spiritual hunger that's just developing in him. As, is, <clears throat> as he's thinking about, you know, these guys, the disciples, they're, they're what, a, what a ragtag group of men. Uh, and here he is with all his nobility, and yet they're the ones that get to play. They're the ones that get to do the stuff. They're the ones that the, the power of the Lord is moving through. And there he is looking on the outside. But there's a tenderness of heart because that's going to do one or two things within the human heart. It's either going to harden your heart and say, forget them, or it's going to say, I got to continue to pursue this because this still has got a hook in me. I got to understand more. <clears throat> and I believe that's what's happening with Nicodemus. He wants to know more. So the passage I talked about earlier you know, in, in John 7, he, he speaks of, um, in verse chapter 7, verse 50, he says, Nicodemus, who had gone to Jesus earlier and who was one of their own number, asked, does our law condemn anyone without first hearing him to find out what he's doing? They replied, are you from Galilee too? Look into it and you'll find that a prophet does not come out of Galilee. Hmm. And then the final place that we see Nicodemus is at the death of Jesus in John 19. It reads at verse 38, <clears throat> Later Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jews. With Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. He was accompanied by Nicodemus. A lifetime of watching Jesus. A lifetime of following him. So much so that he's even there at the cross. The man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds, which is quite expensive. Taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it with the spices and strips of linen. This was in accordance with the Jewish burial customs. At the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden, a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid. Because it was the Jewish day of preparation, 
And since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. To me, this kind of climaxes the transformation, the life of Nicodemus. He's there with Joseph of Arimathea and they take the body of Jesus and they anoint it and they wrap it and they put it in the tomb. It's a long, slow transformation that begins with a conversation. Wherever you are in your walk and your journey with Jesus, there is the understanding that Paul says that we go from glory to glory with an ever-increasing glory as we get to know Jesus. At whatever level we come to understand who Jesus is, guess what? There's always going to be more in the revelation in your journey of who Jesus truly is. It will continue. It will continue to, to develop. Church history says that Nicodemus was martyred in the first century because of his love for Christ. Wow. We don't have it recorded in Scripture, but that's what the historians say. This was an incredible guy. I was in in my course of study of looking for materials on Nicodemus. There's a vineyard pastor who's written a, a, a fiction on Nicodemus that he takes kind of from the Passion Translation and he, and he writes it. It's, it's a, a good one. If you're interested in it, I'll, I'll let you know what the name of it is. Right now, I don't have it in my notes, but it just came to me. I just thought, yeah, that's going to be fun to just kind of look at that. And that's kind of what The Chosen is. Chosen based on Scripture, but a great lot of interpretation and putting in that uh, tells a story, a wonderful, wonderful story. Nicodemus has a lifelong mission that is finding its fulfillment in every step of his journey, to know God and to be known by God. It is our hearts that God's after. And if we pursue God with all that we've got, whether it's in the bright, full sun, of morning or afternoon, or whether it's at night, God will meet with us with his transforming love. He always will. Lord, we just thank you for what we learn from the transformation of Nicodemus. So unlike the woman at the well, but probably one on which many of us can identify with the process of how we come to a deeper and deeper surrender to your Lordship, a deeper understanding of what it means to know you as Savior, as Lord, as friend, as bridegroom, as brother. I pray, Father, that we would be encouraged as we look to the scriptures and realize that you love us so much, we know that we are loved. 
And at whatever level that knowledge is, I pray, Lord, that you would increase it and expand it. Continue to give us soft hearts, especially for those of us that's on this long journey of surrender. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come and that you would give us what is needed so that we can take the next steps toward intimacy with the Lord Jesus Christ. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.